0: Oh yeah. F all you guys. You guys suck. Terrible. Not even seven out of ten.
1: Perfect. Perfect. We're in.
0: Beautiful. Probably don't even know what magic is. Never even seen Lord of the Rings. Oh.
2: Yeah, Matt. Oh. Fuck. Right. Not
0: even drinking beer. Okay. Yeah, we- whoa, here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. welcome to this week in mtg with your host matt olson danny oakstead and big g
1: hello and welcome magic folk to this week in mtg your aggregate news source for all things magic the gathering but not this time because we are doing another one of our special interview episodes and we got uh Danny and Big G here, making fun of me, because <laughs> I like to it's, move my hands. It's what
2: we do every week. Yes. It's just, we're on the extreme right now, because well, it's 9.30, 9.42 at night.
1: I, I was
3: just going to say, this is me without alcohol, so maybe the alcohol dies me down
1: a little bit. I don't think that's the case. Pretty soon, you're going to be like, you know what? Fuck dehydration. <laughs> this is number two. It's going to be a good night. No, I'm not going to say fuck dehydration until Monday. Okay, so... We're doing a special interview episode and I'm very excited for this because we got the one, the only Ryan of CCO Commander Cookout Podcast on tonight. Pew pew pew.
3: pew, 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 pew. This is where a soundboard
1: would be really nice. Yeah, Matt. Oh my God. So Ryan, say hello.
0: <laughs> I was waiting. I, I I appreciate the uh the subtle air horn there. What is
1: going down? Oh, a whole ton is going down. We have we have interviews to go through. We have no people to thank. Sorry. That was... <laughs> fun fact. I listen to your podcast. I don't know if you knew that, but <laughs> I enjoy your podcast.
3: Already off topic.
1: Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I know. That's why I
3: didn't bet you this time.
1: <sighs> we'll cover it. We'll cover it. People who've listened to the podcast in the past that know, the, know that whole bet thing, they know. Um, so I like to talk, Ryan, and you're going to hear that a lot throughout this episode of where I just like get off task and stuff, and we'll do our best. Two to I one. Pro- I promise you. We'll do our best. But... <laughs> Uh, Let's jump into this interview, and Ryan, give us an introduction. Who are you, and what do you do in the magic realm?
0: Yeah, hey, well, thanks for having me. Thanks for, uh, realistically, thank you for accommodating my schedule. We're, for for anybody who wants a peek behind the curtain, we're recording on a Saturday night, as per my request, because I have no life outside of baseball highlights and diners, drive-ins, and dives, so that's what I'm doing after this, but f- for the present, what I am, who I am, why I'm here is is Ryan from Commander Cookout and Commander Ad Populum, and I'm just a, a, a podcasting and YouTubing dude that does magic, commander talk, altered art cards, and I've been doing that for, uh, well, no joke, we recorded episode 299 of CCO Today and next week will be episode 300 so like since 2016 is when we started planning and 20 early 2017 is when we were launched so what's that five years four four five years whatever it is whatever whatever the math says yeah, two se- seventeen 2017 yeah. and yeah it's five years so that's who I am yeah we started when my wife was pregnant and now my kid that i just said good night to is 4 so yeah
3: well, hell yeah, man. Congratulations on that. Episode 300 is a big deal.
0: Yeah, it's coming It's coming along. It's a ton of fun, a lot of great people, a lot of fun interviews, and just uh, like everything about what we do and everything about what we focus on. When I say we, I mean me and Brando, my co-host on CCO, and the whole brand and everything that is Magic the Gathering and CCO collectively is about fun, entertainment, and just making sure that anybody who's present or listening or or nearby knows that we are, when you see CCO, it's about having fun with everybody. And and it's been that way for, well, almost five years. And it's fantastic.
1: Indeed. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've been listening pretty close to the beginning. Uh, I was like, dr- dr- so I'm a garbage man in real life. And I was listening to a lot of, I was looking for like good commander content to listen to while i'm driving a garbage truck and i just found you guys like googling uh commander podcasts and i'm and then you're like yeah we're just some canadian commander players and i'm like oh dude they're close enough to me that's pretty awesome i can relate and i've been a fan ever since excellent excellent i love when people
0: find us organically like that because a lot of the times it's like yeah exactly what you say i searched you i found you I binged 87 episodes in a row, or, or now, I binged like 200 episodes in a row over the course of a month. It took me a month to catch up, and I'm like, wow, a month? Really? You listen to like 500 hours of content in a month? That's unreal. Plus all the YouTube stuff, like if you've seen all our top fives or whatever, it's like, wow, excellent.
1: Okay, so we're definitely going to be jumping more into the Commander Cookout podcast and stuff here in a little bit, but we want to get to know you a little more uh about who you are before we jump into like the magic stuff here real quick so we're just gonna take a step off and correct me if i'm wrong but from listening to the podcast you've talked about uh enjoying gardening and landscaping can you nerd out on that for a bit yeah you know what like if realistically if you want to know
0: me there it's i joke i joke because like i've got two podcasts right i've got commander cookout which is the main one that most people know and then I've got Commander Ad Populum. It's a solo project that is kind of the other side or, or magic adjacent type topics where I talk about like kind of how magic, how magic has helped us as people in real life or how we've taken lessons that we've learned in magic and applied them to real life or vice versa, real life lessons and applied them to magic. And the, the show is a lot, I hate to say, I, I use the word softer. It's a lot softer of a show where I I talk about people and just kind of what it means to to be a magic player. And somewhere in the middle is the real me. Is is, is the joke. And I talk uh, I talk a lot of smack on Commander Cookout and we swear and it's a lot more in your face and just about playing magic and being fun versus Commander Ad Populum being a little bit more down to earth and, and grounded in real life somewhere in between is is ryan that is the gardener that is the landscaper like i live in the middle of a field in an, like in an acreage community with 13 or 14 other houses and we just have a little community where we have a garden and we share like vegetables and fruit that we grow in the summer we have like a community fire pit that we go to and a lot, of, a lot of that kind of laid back, relaxed country living has infiltrated into the type of content that I do, the kind of art that I make and the, the way that I think, the way that I play even, like how I, how I interact socially and politically in a game of magic is really based on real life country living, which is kind of weird to say to, to relate those things. But when, uh, when you think about it, I'm social within magic the same way I'm social out in real life in my community. And and I just want to always try to marry those two things, magic and real life and, and community. Those three things, I guess. So that's, that's kind of me. That's what I'm about. That's what I do. And it's, it's no BS. It's, it's just real life. That's
1: who I am. It's just trying to
0: marry magic and community.
1: <laughs> it makes it easier that way to like keep everything in once that way it's like ah oh, multiple personalities to like do all this other things like i don't know like that just keeping it as who you are i imagine is a lot easier i know at least here like everything you get at this week at mtg is totally us outside of the podcast and stuff as well and uh yeah, just well and you know what like i remember back in
0: high school and before that in 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 what what do you call it elementary school uh primary school i don't know whatever you call it wherever you're from grade six seven eight when i was introduced to magic it was like oh you play that like what what is that like that's like pokemon like you're we're we're way too old for pokemon now and then in high school like i'm part of the track team and i'm on the football team and i'm still trying to play magic but nobody does it And, and it's like, like you say, multiple, multiple personalities. I'm living two lives. I'm trying to like play video games online with one group of friends. I'm trying to date girls in like, in another scene group, whatever. And then I'm trying to like do sports and, and, and be on the track team or whatever. It's like, how many lives can I live before I finally just, just say like to, to my, my girlfriend, my now wife, my family, my community, this is who I am and just own it. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's just part of marrying your passions to your life is just, is just, you got to own it and say, this is what I am. And for a long time, getting real deep here, but for a long time, I struggled with that because my wife's family's like, they're all dentists and like pediatricians, doctors, they own their own clinics. They're all just like crazy rich. And here's me. I just got laid off with a four month old from like a real p- person job. And now I'm doing a magic podcast and painting cards. <laughs> it's like, oh man, you got to own it. You got to own it or else they're going to think you're a loser, right? So you got to own it. That's, I guess that's the, that's the tagline. For for me tonight is just whatever you're doing, just own it, do
1: a good job, and and just be real. T M. Put a T M on that, and then put it on some, put it on some like motivational posters with cats and stuff. No, that's bumper sticker.
3: No, mo- motivational poster with his favorite magic creature.
0: That's it. But it's got to be like a, a little bit of a knockoff, so I don't get like a. Like a wizards of the coast, like lawyer after me yeah. saying, Hey, you can't do that. Well, I mean, if you're saying what's true and you live in the middle
1: of nowhere, I mean, they might not be able to find you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yeah, you, you might be right. Putting up some taller fences and stuff and hope that they don't look around them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. So w- when you're talking about like this uh, community garden here, like, I imagine you got all the, the, like did you got like raised garden beds is like a large portion and stuff for for this garden is it like everybody contributes in to help with this uh no like we yes and yes and no and no we we have our own garden
0: both in boxes and beds and on the ground and i got like a rototiller. her name's tilly like the whole thing (laughs) and uh our neighbors all have their own gardens and like we've got a fairly developed raspberry patch for example and our dirt where we are like we're we're spread out enough in our little development that like The people on the other side of development, their dirt is like blacker or richer or harder or whatever, Mm -hmm. different than ours. So we grow like, we grow lots of beets and potatoes and we'll bring beets over to one of our neighbors and my wife and and the mom there. They'll do like pickled beets, but they use all our beets. They grow lots of cucumbers and they'll make pickles, pickled carrots or whatever, right? And they use theirs and then we just swap jars, right or or if we're gonna have like a big communal barbecue down at the fire pit or whatever we'll bring the potatoes somebody else will bring like some dill and some onions we'll cut it all up down at the fire pit and and we just share that way and a couple of the neighbors like work for big like major global agricultural companies that like work on breeding corn for like Like shipping off to Mexico and, and, and one guy's like a herbicide specialist and a pesticide specialist. So he knows how to like spray gardens and spray lawns for weeds. And she teaches us like how to have pumpkin sex, right? Like where you take like a male and a female flower. So you have more pumpkins. Like we just kind of share knowledge and share food when it's time to eat. (laughs) Or it's kind of, it's more like Hobbiton more,
1: more than anything, really. That's pretty fucking sweet that you got like those, like that that level of people in that are like your neighbors and stuff that that you know what dude we got we got so lucky that
0: everybody is kind of the same age as us like the youngest family that has a kid are like 31 and 29 or something like late 20s like right around 30 and the oldest couple that has kids are like 40 and 36 so everybody's between 30 and 40 and everybody's got kids that are in between like one and ten or eleven. And then there's a couple older families that have like sixteen and eighteen year old eighteen-year-old kids that we use as babysitters. So like we even lucked out there, right? Like we want to have a fire on Halloween after the kids all trick-or-treat. We just like put all the kids in one house and call over one of the older teenager kids and then all the parents just screw up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's wonderful. All the booze put in a little uh, wagon and go over to the other house, and just like, now it's the adult Halloween time.
0: Oh yeah, and Halloween's fantastic. Like one of our neighbors has like a little bus. He was gonna convert it into like a, like a cabin on wheels. What? But then he moved out of the mountains. He moved out of the mountains to the prairies. He he was gonna like pull his snowmobile trailer with his school bus that he converted into a cabin. And then he found a he found a girl here, like a lady here that he's marrying and they're our neighbors now. And he's just like, oh, I have this bus. Do you want me to like drive kids around? So we do, the, the moms, they all decorate it with like spider webs and like stickers and Halloween stuff. And they just have like a big ghetto blaster with Halloween music and like Thriller and Ghostbusters and shit. And uh, they drive around our development, you know, like three and four year old kids. They only hit a boat. 10 15 houses and country houses where you get like lots of shit yep and then they're done and it's nine o'clock and they're all tired so we just l- throw them all on a pile because they're all passed out off their sugar <laughs> high and then we just go and have a fire till like three in the morning all the parents man
1: <laughs> that's my life we can definitely relate with uh kids in halloween uh we each have kids uh Garrett is the newest dad of us all and yep. stuff. And Got a just two-year-old ended. and a new one coming in June. So and he- oh man, dang! Experienced a couple of Halloween's there. So the candy highs, yeah, sugar rushing. It's it's fantastic. And and I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh yeah, if you don't have
0: kids, you don't know. But like, I didn't know, and now my life is enriched. Right? It's just. Like like we were talking gambling in the states or versus Canada before the show started. Like it's just it's just different now. And different sometimes is good, like on Halloween where I meet all the parents and different and maybe build a community and different sometimes is bad when I'm hungover and my kid wakes me up at 6.
2: <laughs> yep. Yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah,
1: we can all attest to that. Yeah, my, been-
2: my 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 1-year-old woke up this morning at 5:30. Oofda. Yeah. My wife was not happy.
1: You weren't drunk, were you? No. Okay. You just wanted to sleep.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I slept until like seven thirty. Finally got up.
1: Wow. I was surprised she didn't kick your ass out of bed.
2: Oh, Kenny. Kenny came and woke me up. Oh, okay. Like slapped me in the face, woke me up. <laughs> my one year old. Yeah. So, and, then, and my eleven year old just sat in her room. Yeah, that's a smart play.
1: Okay, so Ryan, you also do art. You alter cards. You have uh, auctions that go up every Thursday on the CCO Facebook, and you do commissions and stuff. How long have you been uh, how long have you been doing the art on cards and like what got you into like altering card art?
0: Oh man, yeah,, yeah. I think since 2009, but with the windshield, it feels like since 2001, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> Some days. Some days it feels like a lot longer. But uh, no, uh, you know what, I am old school, like a thousand years ago, back in the day, you remember MTG Salvation, like in its prime, in its heyday, I don't know how long you guys have been playing Magic for, but if you're old like me, you'll remember MTG Salvation, that's where you went for Magic News, spoilers, previews, leaks, arts, results,
3: everything. everything. That was the, that was where I built my first. Or got the idea for my first standard deck that I went and played was Salvation.
0: Dude, it was it was EDH or it was Magic the Gathering Mecca, and then EDH started to take off, and there was like a group of people on Salvation that were like, we built this 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 robot super formula that scrapes deck building websites to find deck lists and compile them on MTG Salvation. That was like. Where Don Miner got the idea to make EDH rec was from MTG Salvation, and it's it's unreal. So I'm I'm just browsing MTG Salvation in 2007 or eight, maybe let's call it 2008 because like runs out. I've started playing Magic again. I'm playing with like a couple different people at universities or just people's houses, cubing stuff like that, and uh, I go like spoilers, new stuff, legacy, vintage. I'm just trying to get back into magic as much as I can. Story, art, fan art, altered art. I'm like, oh, what is this? What does this, what does altered art mean? What is is an alter? I don't, I don't know what that is. I'm going to click on it, right? Because it's just, I'm going to, I'm just learning about magic. And I find people coloring on cards sharpieing on cards and painting cards and i'm like wow this is really good there's like guys that are really good at this oh my god and and they're putting like people and things that i'm familiar with like characters comic books and lord of the rings pokemon harry potter onto cards that's what they're painting and at some some point i said i'm gonna try and do this so i like got some Got an eraser and erased a card off because I thought I had to erase cards. And I just like started coloring on a goblin, whatever. And I tried to do a rampant growth and just paint skies. I got paint, paintbrushes, just cheap dollar store stuff. And I just started doing it. And it was, I don't know if it was enjoyable at the time, but I thought it was an okay thing to do for me to try this. And whenever I do anything, I... I do it to the best that I can do it. And it's like, oh well, this was great. This is, this is fine. I should say this is fine. I'm going to, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try and do this again. And it was a little bit better. And I'm going to try and do it again and see if I can kind of refine the process and got a couple more supplies. And, and I don't know, for the better part of a year, I was learning I'm still learning. Everybody learns all the time, every day. It's very important. Always, always grow. Watch a milk commercial. Very true. But uh, I was learning about what kind of, kind of what art supplies could do. Like what, what could certain kinds of pencils do? What could pens or markers do? What did I need to erase or acetone off? Or what could, what are the limitations of paint? Do I need to spray stuff with a sealant? And if I do, can I paint back on top of it those kinds of things and it was just experimental for a long time until i thought that i got good enough to post a card or a couple cards onto the magic mtg salvation altered art forums and after that i got i don't know some likes or upvotes or thumbs up whatever the whatever the colloquial term was for the forum mm-hmm. and i thought hey people People like this. People are asking me questions on how to do this. People that are newer than me. I'm, I'm like 11 months or a year into this. Maybe maybe I can keep doing it and get better and learn more and teach people. And I was a, I was a fledgling track and field coach at the time. And I thought, hey, teaching might be my thing. Maybe training people and instruction. Maybe, Maybe I have a knack for making people know how to do things. Let's see if I can develop this. And that led me to taking a printmaking class, which taught me about different kinds of art and silk screening, lithographs, acid etching. It taught me a little bit about art history and, and why certain artistic processes exist and and that kind of thing. And from that, I continued to to just learn and develop the craft of painting magic cards and and still to this day I tell people like I don't think I'm a very good painter or artist in that I I'm I don't know if I have very good original ideas and I don't know if I could like if you said paint a portrait of me I want it to be like 36 by 40 or if you said paint a picture of this mountain I want it like a mural on my wall I don't think that I could do that very good if what you're thinking of is like photorealistic or air quotes good so you're saying you're not bob ross well no i can paint like bob ross and and that's fine and i've watched bob ross and and people like him instructional artist videos like his but my my shtick always has been how is it the how is it best for me to paint onto a magic card that's what i've always focused on like the canvas is small the materials are what the materials are and and they have their limitations and and you can experiment and and push those to whatever extreme that you can but at the end of the day it it has to fall into what is acceptable as an altered magic card for people to want it to people for people to want it it can't be lumpy it can't be textured it's got to still convey the things that magic cards convey like a title and a mana cost and in some cases like the abilities of the card etc it can't have any any damage or paint on the back of the card for example like there's a whole bunch of little niche things that are art related but are specific to painting onto playing cards and that's always been the focus and, and that's what's been my driving factor in the the art that I create is is making magic cards cooler, not necessarily becoming a good artist. Like nobody's going to put a magic card I paint in a gallery, probably.
1: I don't right? know. <laughs> Watch yourself. That's, that's going to happen now.
2: Watch. Matt's going to ask you for some custom tokens and he's going to frame them like you framed the that he has behind him
0: hey, you know what like and i know i do know that people have framed cards that i've painted for them like i've done wedding pieces and wedding venue pieces important locations and landscapes to people and and that's all important and it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of cool that that part of my creative process has led to Commander ad Populum, right? Like, hey, this is where I'm getting married in Banff or like in in Colorado Springs. There's just like this ski chalet with the blue lake and the mountains behind it. Like, can you paint that? And it's some meaningful thing. And I get pictures from the bride and groom back and like a thank you card, like an actual wedding thank you card saying, Thank you for the gift. We framed it. And they give that back to me. And that's part of the inception of Commander Ad Populum. It's it's how does magic affect real people and i part of part of my my artistic process is channeling that like how do i get an emotion out of a person with with a magic card with a magic card specifically
1: so so you're talking about uh, commander out populum and how that kind of started there correct me if i'm wrong but you do art lessons and stuff in the patreon yeah i do them on youtube i do them on youtube officially and
0: I don't I don't want to get into the minutia of it or or ever dirty the lines but magic the gathering wizards of the coast they have a content creation policy that says if you're creating magic the gathering content it has to be free and people are like oh well what well, patreon exists and only fans exists and blah 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 right but the point is magic the gathering content has to be free you can accept payment for said content. And if payment supersedes the cost that it takes to make the content, then you just let bygones be bygones. Okay. And 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 because of that content creation policy, I put all of my altered art tutorial videos on YouTube for everybody because I want everybody to be able to make art and and to enjoy their magic cards and their art to their fullest extent. And if I teach somebody how to paint onto a magic card and that that rids me of a potential client in the future who's looking to commission me i'm okay with that because i think there's enough people out there that are that are interested in my pieces in my magic cards in my craft as opposed to them or their friends who've learned the craft so i'm willing to share and i'm so willing to just always answer questions and be approachable and, and talk about art and process and and just help people do this thing that I've found so much joy and and kind of a, a lifestyle in and I think that's super important to to share that because this is the, all of our hobby
1: I I, I like to think it uh, just like it popped in my mind of like the, a good example of uh, teaching other people it's like people will like what Andy Warhol does and people will like what Picasso does but you know the they're still popular for doing what they're doing. It's like, it's not like Warhol, Warhol is taken away from Picasso kind of a thing there. So when it comes to like teaching other people to, to start painting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And yes, you know what? Like with, and Warhol and Picasso are excellent examples because how many times have you talked to generally people in your life, just random person that says Andy Warhol took a picture of Marilyn Monroe and he just, colored it different colors and he sold it for like 15 million dollars like i could take pictures of people and sell them but like how come i don't get 15 million dollars because you didn't put the time in to build your brand because you didn't do the work that he did before he made 15 million dollars and and that's what i mean not that i'm making 15 million dollars off of altering magic cards but that's what i mean i put the work in and and i've put my name on hundreds and thousands of magic cards that I've painted or altered in some way, that work and that time is, air quotes, worth something to people, even if they know how to do it themselves because I taught them. And Andy Warhol and Picasso, and I mean, they've lectured at universities and they've showed people their processes and they've done documentaries in their studio and stuff, right? And uh, their works are still worth thousands and millions because of their lifetime of achievement in art and and that's that's how i feel again not that i'm at their level but that's how i feel is is my lifetime of achievement is is why people want to to come to me and get an altar and and that makes me feel good and that makes me even more eager and willing to share
1: so like like what Picasso and Warhol have, they have like their own like their own like signature kind of art style. That you look at that, it's like oh that's a Warhol. One thing I've noticed with a lot of your altars is you do a, a outer space themed cards on like a bunch of different varieties. What 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 gave you an idea to to do that kind of a series? Would it be called or like? Yep, yeah, yeah, series. That's a good name for it. Yeah.
0: You know what? It's funny. Like the, the outer space themed stuff is the most polarizing of all types of altars that I do. Really? People love it or people hate it. Yeah. People are like, oh, no, man, it's not for me. It's fine. It's fine. I just, it's, I don't know. It's not fantasy. It looks more like Star Wars, right? <laughs> Okay. Okay. And then, and then, Unfinity comes out, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever! Space lands, SpaceX." I was like, "I'm talking about SpaceX, like in 2010, man, when I started doing them, right?" Insert your face on that
1: crossed-armed meme guy that looks like "What the hell?" kind of a thing sitting in the in the stands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, I love a good meme. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, the, the
0: the 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 space lands. W- I think the inception of Spacelands was just like looking on online and just finding like digital art for like Halo or something like some sci-fi game. And I was like, this doesn't exist. This doesn't, this doesn't look like magic cards, but people obviously like this stuff because Halo exists and Battlestar Galactica exists and people like Star Wars and Star Trek and lots of those kinds of people also like magic like all my magic friends like star wars and star trek and all those kinds of games that are sci-fi in nature and I was like why can't this, why can't this just be a thing I'm gonna, I'm going to try and do it and I started to learn a little bit about how, how light works really is is was the challenge there because I mean it's mostly black and stars and and circles right planets but how does light work how does light hit planets when they're close to you far away where's the light source what shape is the planet if the light is behind it versus in front of it and uh, it's it's they've just they're always like everything it's just always developing always learning and and I like that people like them and I like that people like the the giant panorama versions that I do that are like nine cards big or twelve cards big where I put them all together and they make like a big image. And those are some of my favorite
1: pieces to work on because they're they're just
0: they're epic,
1: right? So that kind of leads me into my next question. Do you have like a favorite art piece, altar piece, that you have done that like has stuck with you throughout the whole time of altering and stuff is one key card that's like this oh. is a masterpiece bastard (laughs) bastard question Uh, oh god dang god dang no you call him that all
3: you know
0: i just sit here and chuckle he's a blue player (laughs) you know what i the short answer is no because he loves them all equally man bullshit every Uh, parent has a favorite kid i don't know some of them i don't think are very good. So like I've been doing this for like over ten years, and and some of them I still say are like this fucking sucks. This is shit. This sucks. And my wife will come in and she'll be like, "Oh, that's a really good one." After I just called it a piece of crap, and I'm like, "Really? That's the one that you like?"
1: <laughs> Toughest critics always. The yourself. short
0: answers. The short answer is no, but the long answer is is sometimes I think they all suck. Sometimes I'm really happy with like everything I do in a week. I'm just like on fire. But in terms of favorites, it's like this one was technically very complex or I love the color scheme of this one. I nailed it or I love the style or this one's really tight like the borders are clean. I technically I nailed this one or I love this theme or this one stands out in my head because it was meaningful to the person that it was for. Or this one is in my own collection. This is the nicest one that I own. And and there's not really any one for all of those reasons.
1: That's kind of a cop-out answer, but I hope I explained it enough to, to make sense. It makes total sense. So I, I, I do got to say, I got a couple of your altars on your Facebook uh, auctions and stuff. I got a bag of holding that I am playing in my Kenrith, the Return King, Hidden Nekusar deck. Um, and then I got garbage uh, deck. I got an is it charm from you as well in one of those alters uh, auctions, and uh, I use them. So oh, awesome! Is it charm and a bag? Of, I painted a bag of holding. You did paint a bag of holding. Um, I really like it. Was it was probably like the it
0: was probably like the the Forgotten Realms week on the Facebook
1: altars, right where it was all Forgotten Realms cards. No, it was original bag of holding core twenty one. Um, it was I don't know. Somewhere in the somewhere after it came out, you paint. You just did a borderless version of it, and I'm like, "Oh, this is a card that I need for this deck because you know and I'm wheeling in Nekisar. and so it's like I want to be able to ke- have these cards again. So it's like this is a prime card for this, and you just happen to have one on the auction, and I'm like, bid, bid." <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Because it, yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't um it wasn't a F- Adventures in Forgotten Realms card. I'm thinking of like. I'm thinking of the the other D&D sounding things like treasure chest and stuff. Yeah. Bag of holding. Yeah, I'm yeah, okay, I'm looking at the art now, the M20 art. I'm I'm remembering painting this card.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh utilizing cool. that to its full potential right now. I love it.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if that if you can say full potential and bag of holding in the same paragraph
1: even. <laughs> They pair very well. You have so much potential with a bag of holding. Anything can come out of a bag of holding. Anything can go into a bag of holding. Until someone blows that bag up. Yeah, you got to play a little a little uh, song and dance game around that to make sure that don't happen. So you can get all your cards back. I have been blown out by having like 15 cards <laughs> under the bag of holding. And I'm like, I want all these back. Man, Oh do not
0: get the super cool piece too like the original piece got a bow and arrow in there and it looks like a wizard staff and a dinosaur head and a sword it's so cool and 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 like a loot or a harp or maybe that's another bow and and maybe like a piece of a pickaxe is sticking out and some arrows or daggers or something that's a cool piece that it, it captures what a bag of holding is corsets are great for that hey where they just say hey here's some trope that we know that everybody will get and they and they knock it out of the park because they give it to an artist that
1: that also gets it right. Right. And here it's kind of Super like a cool. thing where they just like give a a slight nod and nudge, be like, "Hey, things to potentially come out in the future." Because <laughs> I don't think they announced that they were doing yeah. a DVD set at that point for quarter twenty one. No, they so, hadn't yet at that point. Yeah. So that's also cool. Okay, so Ryan. Oh,
0: and I wasn't wrong either. It was in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. They did they reprinted Bag of Holding with a new art in Adventures. Yep. W- was it so. in Was it in the set or was
1: it in a Commander deck?
0: Uh, it's I'm um, I'm on Scryfall here. It says it was
2: Adventures of Forgotten Realms. it's oh, okay. not the Commander edition. Set. It's the main set.
1: Oh, it was the What's the other bag in the Commander deck that like you sack a creature and artifact and it goes under this bag and. It does the same thing as Bag of Holding, but only for sacked creatures and artifacts. Uh,
2: bag of Devouring. Oh, there what, we go. What? That
1: one. That one's a Oh, command. I was thinking of, like,
0: So-and-So's Everfull Purse. That was another one, wasn't it? Joe Blow's Everfull Purse
1: or whatever? That I'm not aware of. <laughs> yeah.
2: Otherwise, <laughs> there's Bag of Tricks, which is the green version of Bag of Devouring, which is black.
1: Okay.
0: There's a few bags. Yeah. Bucknard's Everfull Purse. Yeah. There's a few bags. Yeah. Don't Google that. <laughs>
1: Okay, so we got to know you a little more, but now we want to know about your magic uh, deck building and stuff. So, uh, Please don't say blue. Please don't say blue. <laughs> We're going to start off by, like, what's your favorite uh, format to play in Magic, and why is it Commander? Well, it's Commander because Commander's best. <laughs> uh, it's, it's Commander because that's just, like, the, the
0: most casualist beer-drinking format that I can do anything in. And one could argue that that's any... Format, but really, it's Commander. Because <laughs> I don't have to
1: win. <laughs> yeah, you just enjoy. Yeah, that's it. And uh, I definitely appreciate that Commander Cookout is all about enjoying the game. Um, so how did you get into, or what got you into Magic the Gathering in just general? Oh, mother ass. Uh, I, in grade,
0: f- oh man, five, fifth grade as He's you would call it in the him. land of the free. He's aging I him. In grade five, I played Pokemon, and uh, I learned how to play, and lots of my friends didn't know how to play. They just collected cards, and I also collected cards because I was a Zeb, and my parents knew another family, and they told this family that I played Pokemon, and at the time, I'm reasonably sure that Pokemon and Magic the Gathering were both owned by the same company, and this family, the mom, her name was bonnie the same as my mom's name which is a little bit weird but she says well does he has he ever heard of magic the gathering and i say i don't know no well yeah it's if you like magic it's or if you like pokemon maybe you like magic it's 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 a little bit more complex if pokemon is checkers magic is chess and it's just a lot deeper and it there's a little bit more staying power to the game because there's more depth so they they invited my me and my parents over my parents probably just had some drinks at the table kitchen table and me and their two boys who were older than me said let's go look at cards they showed me some cards and they ended up giving me like a duffel bag of cards i think it was a shoebox first go through these cards take whatever ones you want and i took like a stack of cards maybe 100 cards and the mom was like you're leaving with that whole box. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, "Oh my god, really?" I was like, "What do? You, what do you mean?" Now I know, right? Like we all, like know. everybody, everybody knows that you would willingly give shoe boxes full of cards away to kids, right? Always. And uh,
3: Ryan, I'll, uh, hey. I'll I'll message you over a TikTok that I scrolled across today of Wizard of the Coast. Basically, whenever people <laughs> say we're we're leaving, we're done. I'll, I'll find it. I'll send it out.
0: Oh man. <laughs> Man, and and they they mess it or they messaged, they got in touch again. We were up at the lake or whatever, and hey, come back over. We'll give you some more magic cards. Have you looked at the ones? Right? Yeah, I've organized them. I've seen the ones that like look cool or whatever. I didn't know how to play or nothing. I come over, and this time
1: they give me an entire duffel bag full of cards. Seems like a, like, a weird a- a- ass backwards uh, crack deal to get someone hooked <laughs> on something. <laughs> Here's
0: yeah. all this drugs. Yes. Take it. Yes. Yeah. It's like your parents catching you smoking cigarettes. You have to smoke that whole pack. <laughs> you have to smoke that whole pack of cigarettes. They give me a whole duffel bag of magic cards. Organize these whole cards. You'll be addicted for life. And, and I just I, I and I again I'm such a zeb. I didn't know how to play and I didn't have any basic lands. So I'm like. I I learned from Wizards website that you need like basic lands and you draw a card each turn. and You draw seven cards and you like just – I'm fumbling through playing with myself. And and what's worse, I teach my cousin how to play like this. And he's way fucking younger than me. And we're fumbling through. And I went to the comprehensive rules – and I just read the comprehensive rules, just read like 165 pages of rules oh, and then a hundred pages of glossary text. And I'm like in grade six, grade six. Yeah. And that's how I learned how to play magic that. And, and that's how people used to learn. Now there's like YouTube and social media and like, and, and inserts in commander decks and like learn to play in game days and stuff and wizards play network and Hell, they give you all the basic
3: lands you need now.
0: Magic kids at Magic Fest to teach kids how to play magic, right? Get them hooked young. It'll be cheaper than drugs. And like, Truth. I learned how to freaking play by reading the comprehensive rules uh, and by giving commons from Tempest and, and Fallen Empires. That's how I learned how to play. <laughs>
1: That's pretty That's why intent- I got into it. Because Fallen Empires and Tempest were kind of wordy cards that, you had to like think for a second like you had to read it a second time to fully understand what some of them would do oh man you know what like i remember reading certain rules
0: in the comp comp rules like three or four times and t- total commander ad populum moment here where magic has influenced your real life i often compare the magic comp rules to le to reading like legal text when you read like like a collective agreement for a union or like labor standards or payroll standards for like your state or province or whatever. And when I got my first real job, that's what I, what I did. I was a labor relations specialist and I worked with a team of like negotiators and lawyers and, and people who solved problems and like did manpower onboarding and graphing and, and like, workforce management and project management and labor relations management that's what my job was and i attribute my ability to to read legal text to reading magic comprehensive rules and that gave me a career job that like built my house me and my wife built a brand new house on the back of that job oh god damn and uh yeah, and it was a fantastic job. It was the job that I got laid off from when I had my four-month-old kid. <laughs> so I go from all this money and all the big house that I built, and then I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do for money? <laughs> Terrible time. <laughs>
1: that is a rough time. Oh, man. I laugh about it now. It's fine. Well, of course, like in uh, looking back, you kind of laugh at that. It's like, it happened, and look where I'm at now. And I'm definitely excited to cover more of where you're at now. We've got a couple more magic-related questions here. As well. Do you have a favorite color in Magic? Ooh. My favorite mono color to play, black,
0: followed very closely, mono by blue.
1: Yes. Just so disappointed. That's that's going to ruffle some feathers. I know. So
0: disappointed. So disappointed. But uh, here's the thing. I... uh, I love mono black. I love if you're going to zombie, you're going to mono black zombie. That's it. You're going to make big mana and do dirty black things. If you're going to play blue, you're going to mill. I'm not going to counter everything you play and draw my whole deck and lab maniac uh, because I'm smarter than you. No, I'm going to mill you because it's a meme and it's going to tilt you. And, And I just like teaching new players that when you get milled, just imagine the cards that were milled were actually on the bottom of your deck. And, and think about it that way,
1: because it's not as big of a deal as you think. So that's why I like mono blue. Ooh, that's, but, a, that's an interesting case there. What do you mean by think of the cards that were milled as like they were on the bottom of your deck?
0: Well, let's say I, let's say I mill 10, mill, mill you 10. And card number 10 is like, oh, my wind condition, my crater hoop. I just pulled it out of a booster pack, right? Okay. Well, okay. Do you, Did you have a draw 10 in your hand? or did you have a tutor for a green creature put it onto the battlefield did you have a natural order in your hand mr new player well no do you have it in your deck no well could you have reasonably thought that in a deck of a hundred cards that you would have been guaranteed to see crater hoof or whatever win con that i milled 10 cards down well no well then you shouldn't be upset that i milled it because that 10th card that was crater hoof could have been the 90th card down on the bottom of your deck and you're not going to draw 90 cards in a game probably and i didn't mill you 90 cards and you couldn't have tutored for it so realistically there is no reason for you have to expected that you would have drawn that crater hoof
3: Ryan, I'm gonna stop you right there. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> say, I was gonna stop I'm gonna you too. Stop you right there. I've, I've witnessed a man draw 90 cards in a game.
2: Yeah, actually, because he, of Danny, he drew over on, he drew over 90 cards. I'm pretty sure.
1: Oh well, yeah. I mean, so, it happens. I, I it have, happens,
0: but under normal c- c- circumstances, under a normal scenario, it that isn't gonna happen. So if I mill you 10 or 50 or 90, none of those things are gonna kill you. And you still have an opportunity to win. And you should have multiple win cons in your deck that aren't just Crater Hoof. And if that is the only way to win, you should be able to find it. Draw it, tutor it, search it, reanimate it, whatever it is. So you shouldn't be upset if I mill it because you might not have been able to see it anyways. And I think that's just a powerful teaching tool for kids. Or for new players. Sorry, not kids. I'm still standing on my platform saying fuck blue. Because
1: Matt here plays Counter Blue, I do play Mill as well, and I will remember this as and also salty because his because counter
2: his his Mill deck is a turn six beat everyone to the face by milling everyone at the same exact time.
1: Better turn six than turn three, but um,
2: but I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, that's, in I commander that's deck, fine. That's that's that's, just, that's fine. You shouldn't be able to that's mill, fine. mill three people in one turn
0: well can you and and i mean not not to get into a back and forth on it but is it okay to make infinite mana on turn six and earthquake everybody or exsanguinate everybody if that's okay why isn't Mil okay
1: because <laughs> it's blue that's why <laughs> That, that's not an argument it though. is though it's it's an argument oh
0: okay then well then then no it's, then fuck no, it's, black and fuck green and well, fuck red and well, fuck well, white well, here no, right we, we <laughs> I already i already have
2: the, the the whole color pie of fuck whatever color you want and fuck whatever guild you want <laughs> and fuck whatever ally colors and enemy colors you want or just fuck all five colors is it's just one of those things that so when i first started playing standard back in 2012 and it was ravnica everyone here was playing counter blue standard decks so that right there as a new player instantly tells you fuck blue and 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 drills into the hate of blue it's like oh hey everyone's playing blue okay well i'm gonna play something else that's not blue and then just quit playing standard because one standard is too expensive to play.
3: You're about, you're about three years behind me, so eventually you'll catch up to this, you know what, yep, I hate blue, but... <laughs> I'm still not going to play counter blue. I'm not saying you'll play counter blue, but you'll get to the that's, point where that's, you're like... That sounds say, to me like
0: bad. a bad first impression. That's It sounds to me like a bad first impression... It, it was. ...that, that is... That's hard to get over.
3: I was about to say Mill sat bad with me and, for a long time, but now I play it as a as a sub mechanic in one of my favorite
0: decks. It's Yeah. You know what you know what's hard to get over? It's it's not necessarily and I know that you say it's blue, counterspell blue, fuck blue. I understand that. <laughs> I understand the sentiment and I understand the attitude and and, and the feeling because I've been there. I well it's what's it's hard really, to not really an attitude more, it's now more of a joke, but
2: it still is like fuck blue kind of thing. But
0: I think what's hard to get over is is the way that people do it, right? Remember the remember the oh well there's so much more decision making when you play control. Oh, I need to know exactly what to counter. And that's why this deck awards skilled players. Like everybody's heard blue and control awards experienced smart skilled play and it's like really we're all just playing a game and you might be better at it than me but can't we just play and treat all people that are playing with with respect and not try to condescend because you think that you're better like is this a strategic tactic for you to bully me or, or to be an asshole and that's the that's the feeling that people get when they play against the the stereotypical traditional stereotypical blue player and f- for that reason when you say fuck blue i hate it i i just i wish that that didn't exist and i feel bad for people who had that experience and and i wish that it wasn't the thing <laughs> garrett I hug you with blue.
2: I don't counter stuff blue. I hug you with blue. I'm just, I'm
3: just, and it wasn't me that killed you that game. You need to step off your high horse, (laughs) sir.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, change the stereotype, change the stigma. It's all about changing the stigma and creating a culture, man. Create it, create a different culture, and and be the culture that you want it to be. And if and if people like it, and if it's better than the current culture, if you're consistent. Then it'll it'll eventually it'll get hold it'll get traction it'll 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 build it'll snowball. I think it's important to to bring light to to anything that isn't derogatory and inflammatory and 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 bad. I think if it's anything that isn't those things, then it's better.
1: Hundred percent agree with that.
0: Uh, um, yeah, there it is. Magic Green Say, never play counter spells
1: again. This is what I hear. Just mill. <laughs> I'll do just mill I can manage that oh
2: if he just does mill that's fine as long as he doesn't play counter spells so we can get rid of his creatures
1: so Ryan we gotta know do you have a favorite or a pet card in all of magic don't say counter spell
0: Ooh. <laughs> counter squall a one up mana drain just kidding No. no, no. <laughs> uh, force of will pact of negation force of negation no 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 um, those are all
2: Matt's <gasps> favorite
0: cards <laughs> uh fit, pet card i really my favorite oh man dang every time i go to say something i stop myself because i'm like no that's not right there's something <laughs> always better uh, i like zombies i like i like teamer that's my favorite three color combination Ah, uh, i like moth's will that's gotta be my favorite card okay Yogmoth's will uh, there it is That's a good-ass card right there. That's a good card.
1: Okay, so a little side note with that. What do you think of uh, Gaia's Will as a card? Does that fall in like Uh, kind of same card territory then, since it's almost a Yogg's Will? Nope. Okay. Nope.
0: Well, I like mono black better than I like mono green. Yogg's will is now. I don't have to suspend it, right? Guy's will is suspend, right?
1: Yep, yep. That's a suspend one.
0: I like a good value Yogg's will to get back a, like a destroyed sorcery, play a fetch land from my graveyard, maybe get like a, uh, maybe get a song on the damned back, get a bunch of mana. I like that. That's all good. I like that. Very nice. Yeah. I, love the, I love the art on Yogg's will. It's done by Ron Spencer. He's my favorite artist. Uh, I love... Uh, I was going to say I love altering that card, but I love doing renditions of that art onto other cards. That that card is particularly complex to alter. Ron Spencer art is hard to do, <laughs> hard to replicate.
1: That is an interesting... But everything... Go ahead, sorry. No, 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 you go ahead. I'll ask
0: afterwards. I was going to say that Ron Spencer art is among the top echelon of art that I love about Magic, particularly because it's from the time that I started playing Magic like the late nineties, early two thousands, he did lots of cards. And I love I love his art style. A little bit cartoony, but high color, high fantasy, and just just gruesome enough that it moves it out of
1: really cartoony and it feels fantasy to me. So is there any card because of an artist that you won't like do? I feel like won't is probably like a too strong of a word, but like where it's like, ah, do I do I have to like do this to this art or like, is there, is there like an internal struggle in your head for something like that when it comes to like altering a card? Yes. Yeah. There's certainly, there's certainly artists that
0: are hot button artists, right? For the most, for the most part, people who are contacting me for an altar are in touch enough with the magic community that if they ask about a card that's painted by an artist that is contentious they'll say something like i want new art on this card not can you extend this art are you okay with this artist they'll just say they'll just forego that and say i want something different and uh i've i have turned down a few right somebody sends me a picture of a card hey can you alter this right when some crap hits the fan and i'm like i don't know man that's it's a little bit of a hot topic right now and I don't want to be the person that piles on, adds fuel to the fire or the person that has to claim insensitive insensitivity to a topic because obviously magic is pretty much my entire like social life and and occupation. I'm not insensitive to topics and issues. So I can't claim that I am. So I've turned down certain pieces, but again, for the most part it's I want something else. Do whatever you want, or I want X Y Z thing. Can you make it happen? And I always say, yeah, sure. I'll, I'm I'm always open to new takes on a theme or a a piece or name. You know, can you make this fit into my zombie theme deck or my fish theme deck or whatever it is? Right.
1: Okay. Yeah, that just popped into my head. There talking about uh, about about uh, Ron Spencer there. Um, so. Next question is how what is your process to brew a deck back in the magic realm? You brew a lot of decks each week, or you talk about decks uh, that people submit and stuff each week, but when it comes to you brewing a deck, what is your process to do that?
0: Oh man, that's
1: fantastic.
0: I love talking about brewing decks. I think it's I think there's there's two different ways that a deck will enter my mind. There's kind of two ways I'll see a deck for that's submitted to CCO or Commander Ed Populum. I'll see a deck and it'll be like, hey, I like what this deck does. I like this idea, this strategy. I like this theme, whatever it is. And I'll build my own version of it. And then the other way is I'll see a card or a type of card or a commander. And I'll say, I've never played this kind of deck or a deck that does this thing. Or I've never played Super Friends Cascade, for example. Cascade decks exist. Super Friends decks exist, but I've never played a Super Friends Cascade deck. That's what I'm gonna do. So those are the kind of the two ways that a deck ideal enter into my mind. I'll see it on the show, I'll be inspired by somebody who who submits a deck or I'll I'll see some negative space with regards to a commander. And I'll want to do it. And then I go into my good box, I call it, and I start pulling cards that I know fit the theme. I'll do some research, you know, look at other lists, look at EDH rec, and uh, ask ask people on Discord or on Twitter, hey, what do you guys think about this idea? You get some responses. And uh, I'll just start putting cards in decks, maybe a couple proxies, order up some cheapies from from whatever website or LGS that I go to, and i'll just jam cards and, and you know everybody's like got the got the got the deck that's like 120 cards and you're to make 20 cuts before you can like play it i'll just cut 20 cards that i just like i've played this card before everybody plays this card oh this is the best equipment i don't want to oh this is a combo i don't need that i don't want a combo to win i don't need sort of you know feast and famine i don't care about that sort of body and mind don't care sylvan library cut it everything just ends up on the floor and i'll just play it i'll just play a deck of stuff that i want to play that's different and unique that i was inspired by somebody in my community to build and it's gonna just suck it's gonna suck and i'm gonna lose like like 25 games in a row i'm gonna like get third or fourth <laughs> every time and i love it because it, it almost turns into like a new deck of mine is like a meme because I just want to play stuff that I've never done before and I'm okay with it being bad and as I start to learn some of the minutiae of the cards that I like in the deck I'll start to hone the deck around those types of cards like my my one right now is crab tribal and on the cutting room floor of five color crab tribal is like a whole bunch of sword and x and y's sylvan library umazao's g like all good equipments that you'd want to buff a crappy tribe but i didn't put any of those cards in because i'm like man there's like 37 crabs i gotta play i gotta figure out which crabs are the best before i can figure out which equipment go in because everybody knows what equipment are the best everybody knows that feast and famine and and fire and ice and umazao's jite and Whatever else the other best equipments are, everybody knows that already. But not very many people know, in my meta, what the best twenty five crabs are, right? So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta lose a lot of games before I know what the best crabs are. That's kind of my process.
1: I definitely can appreciate that kind of process. I love that as well, where it's like, ah, this is a card that everyone uh, that's commonly played. One of the one that I always like to cut when I come to brewing a deck is always you know, the, uh, the soul rings, the, uh, cultivates and stuff. And I go for like more of the janky things that can like be added in there for what, what their slot does. So that way it can like focus more on other parts of the deck. But yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Like so much, so much magic, the gathering content is on how to be better, build better decks, better strategy, get good scrub content. (laughs) None of it there's very 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 little i won't say none but very little magic content on on losing and being okay with losing and what it means to lose what does it mean when you lose a game what did you learn like what lessons can you get from not winning if you win you just assume that your deck was the best or you made a big brain play like you're the smartest blue player at the table But when you lose over and over and over, you start to ask, why did I lose? And don't change any cards in your deck. Don't change them. Start to understand how and when to play them, where to play them, how to politic. What do I have to do to politic in this deck, like Crab Tribal? What do I have to do to politic in Crab Tribal to give me a better chance of winning? Because politicking is going to give me a better chance of winning than changing cards. Because if I take out shit crab and put in sort of feast and famine sort of feast and famine is going to put a target on my head it's going to get itself destroyed because people aren't idiots and they run artifact removal so i might as well not even have sort of feast and famine because it's going to get removed before i can even use it what do i need to do to make this pile of 100 crap ass cards be the perform the best it can without changing any of them There's not very much content on how to lose and how to get better from losing without changing your card set. And that's how I approach deck building is I'm just going to freaking lose like
1: 25 times in a row before I do anything. Suggestion on how to politic well in crab tribal. Offer king crab legs as a reward for letting Mm. things happen. Thematic and delicious.
2: Of course it comes from a blue player. (laughs)
1: Oh yeah, and expensive, <laughs> and expensive, man, jeepers! Yeah, I mean, you're gonna be clapping with crabs. you got to be flaunting those those claws, those money claws that they're gonna be gonna be doing there. I'll let you win every game. You, you know what, like, all the time. Y- <laughs> man, you know what? Usually,
0: it just ends up being being a meme and a joke. Like, I'm playing crab travel. It's about to get really itchy in here. <laughs> Oh man, it just it just ends up being fun, right? Because ultimately at the end of the day, if i if if i'm okay with losing because i know probably i'm going to lose, I might as well do everything in my power to make sure everybody has fun as to not eliminate me. And then my deck becomes better because people don't want me to die. And I mean that's I I think that's like a big level up moment for me. A very powerful piece of magic learning is If people don't want me, the person, to be gone from the table, they're not going to attack me as much. And that's only piled on by the fact that I'm playing bad cards. (laughs) I know that that's not everybody's, that's not everybody's style, right? I just want to play powerful cards. I want to do good interactions, right? Like people, people don't like to play sub powerful cards and I respect that, but for me, I've played all those cards and i know the stigma is
1: attached to them and i've won with them before so i want to do something different come come for the interview stay for the level up that's fucking sick (laughs) there it is yeah (laughs) so is there any card or set of cards recently that's kind of got your brewing brain going that's like oh this combination of cards this is what i want to do you got something that's like going on in the old noggin there right now that's turning them gears that aren't crabs, you mean? Yes, that aren't crabs. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I don't know. White, I'm kind of turned on by white right now because I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about like white's not as bad as everybody says it is. It can do all the things, right? And it can draw cards, it can reanimate, it can, it can, it's got big angels, got flyers. So, white, the color white is uh especially in the in the last year white has has gotten a lot better with with card drawn and etb and blink strategies so i think my decks my next deck might be mono white i love mono color i think maybe that's another thing that's got me going is the last deck i built was mono blue i want to build a mono white deck i got a mono black zombie deck i want to build a mono green um what's the lightning dinosaur that was just printed oh man Presta. the one that cost less yes yeah. yeah 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 I I i, I want to build that deck yeah and then there's a card called roots roots from homelands I just reviewed homelands I did a, a like a old school set review on homelands on Commander ad populum there's a card called roots that uh, taps enchanted creature and it doesn't untap during its controllers on tap step it's like it's kind of like song of the dryads it's kind of like brain freeze. It's kind of like imprisoned in the moon, but it's just like an old crappy card that I learned when reviewing old sets. I think that's super important and always important for powerful powerful learning and teaching tool for for deck brewers is to look at old sets because uh I mean roots it's I'm not even kidding it's 14 cents.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, I think it's three a good cents card. <laughs> from Eternal Masters. I'm definitely excited to talk a little more.
0: Yeah, Ma- Eternal Master Masters, three cents.
1: Yep, even cheaper. With new art. There, There's uh, on... Was it the latest episode of the, the Cat Pop? Uh, Commander Ad Populum podcast where you talked about... Oh, God, I can't remember. It's a black, black spell that returns a creature. If you sack a Thrall, it gets a counter on it for two mana. It's just a two mana reanimate spell. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's... Really good value. Do do, do you remember that? Uh, what card that was there, Ryan? Ah, uh, Soul Exchange. That's soul Exchange. Yeah,
0: Sorcery. Additional cost to cast. Black, black Sorcery. Additional cost to cast. Exile a creature you control. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Put a plus two plus two counter on that creature
1: if the sacrifice creature was a thrall that's what it was there we go and that's such a good card it's just get rid of a get rid of a crappy creature if it's a thrall it just has an upside of like pumping it up but it's two mana reanimate something
0: yeah and and 34 cents and if you play like if you play edric czar master breeder and you're not playing soul exchange and you are playing Animate Dead or Dance of the Dead or or whatever and you want another one. But you don't want to lose life on, on Reanimate or you don't want to spend like 8 or 10 or 12 bucks, whatever Reanimate is. Play Soul Exchange, man. It's good. And you could have an upside of getting a plus 2, plus 2 counter if you sacrifice an Endrixar Thrall. You get your Grave Titan back and it's an 8-8 or something because it's bigger because you sacked a Thrall. That's
1: a good-ass card right there. Even, even nowadays, where so many people are running uh, ma- uh, Maskwood Nexus and stuff in their decks that make creatures all creature types. like Then it's just like auto... It's a thrall, and now it's just two mana. It comes back with a plus two, plus two counter and stuff. And that's cheaper than uh, Fearsome Awakening. That's fantastic. Which is the dragon reanimate one that makes it come back with a plus one counter. And then there's like Defy Death that does the same thing for like four mana, where it returns. Yeah. And if it's an angel, it gets a counter on it. But this is two mana. And then with like Maskwood Nexus, it's just... It comes in with a plus two, plus two counter. The uh the looking back on that's cool.
0: All those are good with maskwood nexus. Hey, and and what's the other one? Um, the black enchantment. Black enchantment. Uh, What's the other one? The the black uh, conspiracy. Oh, yep, yep, conspiracy. Conspiracy makes all your guys one type, and then yeah, like soul exchange and Fe- what is it? Fearsome awakening. Fearsome and awakening
1: the, is the, the the dragon one and the angel
0: one. Yeah, that that is yeah. bigger if it's an angel
1: defy death yeah I think that's one. That, what's oh one yeah defy right? death yeah just like looking at those newer cards to to soul exchange it's just i love that shit and uh hearing you talk about some of the old cards in in your uh, retrospectives with commander at populum is like oh my god this is great put this in the uh the want list or the remember this list and stuff on your phone of where it's like okay now just scroll through all these cards that have been recently brought up to my attention and they're fucking badass Yeah, and Uncommon from Fallen Empires,
0: 34 cents. Like, that's never... Sacrifice a Thrall, or Exile a Thrall, right? Never going to get reprinted. And Plus Two, Plus Two Counter, never going to get reprinted. Right. And fantastic art, fantastic art. Anthony Waters was an original magic artist from the early 90s, and does these crazy, like... they They look watercolor, but they're... They might be watercolor or mixed medium, but just really washed out color and not very sharp or defined edges on a lot of the, the corners and edges of what he paints and just, just cool looks old school
1: feels old school. Fantastic card. Very much. So this is awesome art on this card. Okay. So we got, uh, I got another big magic related question and then we're going to talk about the podcast and stuff. So uh, I gave you a little heads up about talking about Battle for Boulder's Gates uh, when we were talking a little bit earlier. Yeah. And so, did you watch the weekly MTG announcement stream for it all, and or did you just like intake any of the information uh, afterwards? And like, are you excited for the cards that are coming and what to expect? And Command Fest coming back.
0: Ah, uh, t- tell me about Command Fest. I I didn't watch. I didn't watch. I was in the middle of working. I looked at the cards that were previewed. I've seen the Nuka Penna stuff. I've seen the Battle for Baldur's Gate stuff that's been previewed so far. I'm unaware of Magic Fest returning because I didn't watch the stream.
1: So how about you fill me in on that? Can I interview you on that a little bit? (laughs) Oh, well, this is going to be such the quickest interview because Blake Rasmussen pretty much just said, just as a little keynote before we started off, we're going to bring back commander fest and we're not giving any more information <laughs> until a later point <laughs> so oh just- i guess that's why i didn't hear anything then
0: cuz it would have been big news if there was like like 20 magic fest in the back half of 2022 and 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 scheduled to be released next week or whatever right
1: like i would have probably heard about that (laughs) yeah they they did mention that it should be corresponding with battle for boulder's gate that command fest will be happening so he didn't give a timeline of when more information is going to be coming out but since boulder's gate is released june 10th i imagine you know we're going to be getting some more information over the next few weeks uh people are thinking that there's going to be something coming up with the organized play live stream happening this upcoming thursday with uh blake rasmussen and huey jensen over on the weekly mtg stream and that's where some uh more dates information might be i wonder i want that's that's really newsy you fit some news stuff in there that's really good
0: yeah i wonder if that if they're going to look at moving vegas from like august to june or or because it's the first one and it's the commander fest commander product in the summer i wonder if they'd consider Doing something more central to the United States, like, I don't know, Kansas City or somewhere in Texas or, I don't know, Oklahoma City. Like, I don't know, anything more central than like Las Vegas or L.A. or New York or Boston.
1: Yeah, I'd be down with that. Send
0: it send it to Minneapolis. We travel to Minneapolis. <laughs> oh, hell yes. Send it to Minneapolis. I can get there in one flight. Yeah, it's <laughs> not going to
2: be 100 degrees outside.
1: That too. I'm okay with 100 degrees. I'm okay with this. I I can't handle I can't handle 100 degrees. I'm, Our
2: 100 degrees is terrible compared to Texas or Las Vegas.
1: The dry the dry heat. I'm not for that. I'm not for the humid humidity either.
2: Our humidity sucks.
1: It does. Or that cold. I can handle cold. You can always put on more layers. That I got true. I got so many like thermal socks and like thinsulate boots and uh, uh long johns and shit. I love that shit in the winter. I'm just so cozy as I'm in a garbage truck.
3: <laughs>
2: we have the most extreme weather from negative 50 in the winter to 120 in the summertime.
1: I feel we can't be talking yep. too much shit. Uh, Saskatoon must be getting like dink stomped with <laughs> fucking weather.
0: Well, I mean, your your guys' weather wouldn't be that much different than ours. We We might get more cold days in a row in January, February than you. But I mean, it's cold and shitty and windy and snowy for 87 months of the year and um, i'm sure it's the same for you guys
2: (laughs) yep another day of 30 mile an hour winds
1: we're we're all still here waiting for our uh april snowstorm that is guaranteed to happen
0: oh yeah guaranteed guaranteed but you know what if we're guaranteed magic fests sometime between april and january or or the end of december I am game for all of the April snowstorms because that is just a beacon. That is so exciting to know that those are coming back, and to know that like we we've been saving up and budgeting for those so we can go to them, and and see see people and see other creators and make content and jam games and play game, open flippy, street tacos, everything, right?
1: And uh, that's exciting to know that those are coming back i know right like i feel uh, with everything that happened with in the stream of battle for boulders gate the new cards and just talk about that like understandably they kind of get shoved under the rug because there's not much more that everybody can gravitate to yet information wise but still very exciting uh we haven't gone to a command fest at all but it is it is something that we would all enjoy to do here at the podcast very much you got to remedy that as soon as possible fucking rights we do <laughs> so uh Battle for Baldur's Gate now. So these they're they're reprinting the dual lands uh that if you have th- uh, three more or, or three more opponents they enter untapped. Two or more. Two is it two or more? Two or more. Okay. So they got all these awesome reprints and stuff. Like what are your I don't know, what do you think of Battle for Baldur's Gate? Now uh uh D commander legends kind of thing going on here. Two rares 20 card packs because these are 20 card packs again like going off of what the commander legends are yep because you're supposed to be able to draft it right
0: and build like commander draft decks out of out of three 20 card packs or four 20 card packs
1: Uh, i'll
0: double check uh how many packs that they
1: got going on here for the
0: yeah whatever it is like i'm i'm looking at reflecting pool with new art looks good i'm looking at spire garden sea of clouds morphic pool Luxury suite, all with new arts, all available in foil, and and those ones in Battle Bond. I don't think they had foils, did they? Yeah, they did. Well, yeah.
3: Oh, they, they uh, did. Yeah, they did because I have a couple from,
0: from Battle, Battle Bond?
3: Bond. Yep, they were they were awesome. a little bit more
0: rare, but and more expensive, right? Uh, yes, 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 yes. Maybe that's why I don't own any because they're so expensive. But these ones have new art. It's it it is. A little bit more high fantasy, less, um, I'm gonna call it less Fortnite y, more high fantasy. So I like the art on the new ones. I like that foils are gonna be a lot more attainable. I like that these are commander specific, multiplayer specific lands that we're getting more of, which is great. And I- I've seen a couple of the, like the Elder Brain, which is just super cool, begging for dirty altars which I've strayed away from doing, but I won't stop joking about, <laughs> which is fantastic. There's like a couple dragons, lightning bolt reprint. And I know Brando from CCO with me will be super happy that the showcase frames are the monster manual art frames. And I know that that was one of his biggest wishes for the set was that the showcase frames were the same as Adventures in the Forgotten Realms showcase frames. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the Monster Manual frames great. are so good. The fact that they're bringing it back, I don't know. It, it feels that that level of crossover with Magic and D&D is beautiful, I think. Like, it it, it makes such a good-looking card. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for this set and all the, all the other cards that are yet to be announced and stuff. Like, I'm not a big D&D person, so I don't know, like, the story of Battle for Baldur's Gate, but I know when I was talking at the LGS the other day, I was talking with uh, Josh, the owner, and someone just heard, as I mentioned, Battle for Bulger's Gate. And he's like, oh, that's a name that I haven't heard in forever. And he's like, d I'm like, yeah, it's a magic d d set. And he's like, it's a magic d d set? I'm like, yeah, dude, that shit is awesome. He's like, I'm going to have to check this shit out. And 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 d magic, oh, my God. It, the fact that it took so long, I guess, in hindsight, it just seems like, why so long?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and that's a that's a thing, right, is, is like... For, for years and years and years, they kept things exclusive and they said, We don't want to make it confusing and we don't want complexity to, to creep too high and stuff. And sometime in late 2019, uh, Mark Cox becomes the CEO of Wizards or whatever and comes in from Microsoft and he's like, No, balls, all that. How do we make money? Right. And it's like, Oh, well, and is going to make us money and Secret Layers are going to make us money. And I'm not going to complain about any of those things because it's all good for magic but um yeah it, it's like rip the band-aid off anything that was what we thought was was what magic was and let's let's make it everything that anybody might want and dnd crossovers was one of those things lord of the rings crossovers one of those things i am so gall dang ass pumped for the lord of the rings set in 2023 that uh i can i can hardly wait
1: you are a big lord of the rings fan uh, from from my understanding and stuff. So so, what what are your hopes to see coming in from the Lord of the Rings crossover set?
0: Oh man, N- no word of a lie. I was tuning into a Signum University lecture on Tolkien poetry like right before we uh, sat down to record. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I'm that big of a a nerd. We were talking about like the ABC mirrored rhyme scheme in the in the stanzas for uh, a portion of the lay of luthien that aragorn tells the hobbits in the uh, in the midgewater marshes or or sorry in the, uh just before the weather top scene anyway that's what i I'm, I'm that big of a lord of the rings fan and uh i'm i'm hoping that we get very prolific tolkien artists to do the showcase frames maybe John Howe and Alan Lee who did the concept work for the 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 Peter Jackson films maybe those guys do the alternate frames or or the the showcase frames maybe like Ted Ted Naismith is that his name or the Hildebrandt brothers these are all famous Tolkien artists maybe they do the showcase frames that's one thing because it's going to be a whole set obviously we're going to get fellowship obviously we're going to get lands legendary lands we're going to get landscapes i hope that we get basic land panoramas that showcase like wide middle earth vistas what we don't get to know is what license wizards of the coast has to the tolkien estate can they only do art and game pieces that are from the Lord of the Rings? Or do they also have access to the Hobbit? Do they also have access to the appendices? Do they also have access to Silmarillion content? Or is it just Lord of the Rings, the books?
1: That's actually a good question. I, Didn't even think of that.
0: I hope it's I hope it's everything. But it's probably just Lord of the Rings, and it might not even be appendices because that would include, like, the the annals, like, the the all of the different years of Middle-earth. It would include Numenor. It would include stuff that happens, like, before and after the Lord of the Rings story, which isn't probably the story they want to tell with the cards anyways. But I hope we get as much as they can actually get and and pay for and that we get it and that everybody eats it up because, I mean, it's the... It's the de facto, it is the genesis, it's the mecca of fantasy, modern fantasy, right? And I hope that we see it all in our favorite game, in Magic, with all of the world's best artists and best creative game developing minds working on i hope that we just see everything i just want it all i want i want all of it and i want it all to be ground up and liquefied and directly injected right into my bloodstream that's what i want
1: i i don't think it'd be too far of uh of a thought. like from what people think of lord of the rings like this is probably going to be a really huge set getting in a bunch of people it's going to sell a lot of product I would not put I would not put it past Wizards that, that they're maybe like gonna be planning a second Lord of the Rings set. So if like they do have to like break it up where it's like Lord of the Rings kind of to test the waters and then they expand it into like Hobbit territory in their next set and, they
2: they just and, do the trilogy. <clears throat> so it's uh they the have with the Ring, Return of the King, and what was the first one? Oh, the first one was Fellowship, Fellowship, Two Towers. There we go. Of forgot about the... Two Towers, but they're they're probably just going to do a trilogy if it, they, if they just have access to the main Lord of the Rings story.
0: I bet you if they were going to do if they were if they had access to Lord of the Rings proper and they were planning to do three product releases, I bet they would have called this first one that's coming out. They would call it the Fellowship of the Ring, and and that would both serve as a little wink and marketing to say there will be more of this versus Lord of the Rings, this is the story. And when they do this is the story, the Lord of the Rings, then you get Gandalf and you get the Fellowship and you get Legendary Rivendale. You get Mount Doom. You get the One Ring Gollum. You get the Witch King of Angmar in his like leveled up form in, in, in Return of the King. You get... Helm's Deep, and King Theoden, and Eomir, and you get Shadowfax, and Baradun, you get everything, right? You get everything when they say, Lord of the Rings, and they they have to rise to meet expectations of what that means, and because it's Lord of the Rings, because it will be successful, because it's Mecca of modern fantasy, I bet the next thing they would go to would be The Hobbit. And, And after that, like, The drop-off between Lord of the Rings to Hobbit is, like, pretty substantial, I think. And then the drop-off between Hobbit and Tolkien's next works are, like, exponentially smaller. Like, way smaller. Nobody's, very few people have read Silmarillion, Children of Hurin, The Tale of Luth or, like, Beren and Luthien, right? The Fall of Gondolin, Tolkien Letters, right? Like... The The Tales of Tom Bombadil, Forgotten Tales, nobody's read those. And I think that there's just, for how much you'd have to pay for that shit, there's just no point to do anything after The Hobbit. I, I, I don't think.
2: I don't even think they'd even attempt to do The Hobbit just because it's not as big as Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, and what do you gain like? Do you get another golem card? Do you get another ring card? Do you get another Gandalf if card? If anything, you right? just
2: get more more dwarves and then you get Bilbo.
0: Yeah, you get Bilbo, dwarves, you get Lonely Mountain, you get like Lake Town, you get like Mirkwood. uh get more spiders. What's the dragon? I'm just Dragon Blank. Oh,
2: yeah, you get him as your I guess Nicobolis I don't know, man. Of the set. <laughs>
1: having the hobbit there's yeah. there's enough cars there's enough fans but that would be in,
2: in, like like what ryan said it's there's a drop off between lord of the rings and the hobbit
1: fair enough
0: think of how many pop culture uh pop culture aficionados pop culture people who who only know lord of the rings because of the movie phenomenon like some of the biggest and most expensive lucrative well produced most award-winning movies of all time how many people are familiar with lord of the rings strictly because of the movies that also play magic that would invest in lord of the rings magic cards because of the movies and then you compare the lord of the rings movies to the hobbit movies and then to no other tolkien movies that's the other reason where i'm like okay the hobbit was successful But it didn't have any of the critical acclamation or awards or anything that Lord of the Rings did. But because it was Tolkien, people still watched it. And then after that, anybody who was into the movies would know nothing else about Tolkien because there isn't movies for any other piece of literature that he ever uh, wrote. Yeah, so you know what? I'm excited. I'm going to do shows on it on Commander Ed Populum. I'm going to force Brando to do it on CCO. And if anybody ever wants to talk, whether it's Magic the Gathering related or if it's like a Lord of the Rings Tolkien channel, I've been reaching out already to, to Tolkien YouTube people and Tolkien content makers about doing crossovers and seeing if anybody's got an appetite for Magic the Gathering related content with regards to Tolkien. I haven't had any biters yet, but it's still over a year away, so I'm, I'm hopeful. Man, I'm so pumped. I'm so happy
1: that, you, that, you, that we got to talk about that. It's, it's such a big thing that's happening in Magic. And um, I guess a, a little, little uh, unknown fact about me. I have not seen Lord of the Rings, any of them. I have not read the books. And I'm going to get hit. I've been hit. You but I'm still, deserve, I'm still you excited for worse. this. Still excited for this set.
2: They, they should make a, uh, after Lord of the Rings, they should go the Wheel of Time.
1: You know what? Never
0: read those. Never read
2: them. I read, I read the first nine, or the first seven books in high school. I think there's now 15.
0: Yeah, something like that. Across two different auth- authors, right?
2: Yeah, because Robert died, and then someone picked up the last three, I think it was. Two or three.
0: That's that's Brandon Sanderson now, right?
2: I haven't read them, so I, I honestly couldn't tell you.
0: But I'm waiting for the chapter two to come out on Amazon video yeah yeah you know what i'm i'm i would be pumped for you know we just did uh, we just did just to continue our tangent now because i know that you guys like tangents but uh we just did kamigawa neon dynasty i would love to see blade runner 2049 adaptation onto set or, or or i would like to see like uh secret layer universes beyond whatever kamigawa neon dynasty blade runner 2049 I think that that would be super cool. Like the color schemes are similar, the the futuristic kind of dystopian nature of the the sets. Dune would be another good one. Is is kind of similar. Yeah, I think that I think that that would be great. And those are kind of pop culture classics that are very recent that people really like. Tron. Tron. Yeah, it's another good one. Yeah just just because it's so visually stunning, right? Like it's 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 a treat to watch visually even if you don't like any of the subject matter. Mhm. Yeah. And I mean that's that's why the 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 Jackson Lord of the Rings movies were so good because visually they're a treat to watch. Beautiful people, beautiful sets, beautiful scenery, cinematography's fantastic. I mean that's why they won all the Oscars, right? Yeah. Not that I'm a movie aficionado, people who people who watch CCO know that I'm not the movie guy. But the 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 four movies that I've seen, I've seen them like six hundred times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sounds about like sounds about like mad.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a movie guy at all. Uh, my, my list of movies: Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Dis, what? Disney movies. That might be an adapt- adaptation that we might see. I'd be fine with that. But it, you know what? But Pirates is Disney, though, right? Yeah, that's gonna be. I mean, unless uh, Disney decides to buy Hasbro after this, uh, or Disney buys Magic after the Elta Fox split, and just like straight up own it, and then, you know, we're going to get Mickey Mouse secret layers and stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to get Marvel. We're going to get Marvel MCU, or MCU-themed stuff. We're going to get Iron Man, Captain America, that's what we're going to get. But I, not Spider-Man.
1: I, I, I cannot. I cannot help but think that uh Wizards of the Coast or Hasbro hasn't talked to Disney about trying to get Marvel Secret Lair universes beyond at 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 something like
0: oh 100% we're going to see that we will see it we will see it definitive we will see it
1: yeah it's it's just about like how much money they got to like give to Disney to make it to make Disney you know worth it and like ha- you know to, to put the property on on their cardboard and stuff i think yeah i'm all for Marvel Marvel being on magic cards and it's it's just a matter of time matter of time matter of money Wizards is making so much money for Hasbro it's like maybe it's sooner than we all think yeah Uh, I don't think it'll be that soon
0: no I I I don't think it'll be like this year or next
1: year but I mean it might be I wouldn't be surprised is what I'm saying less than five that's my shot call in less than five years in 2027 before 2027 we are gonna have a Marvel crossover in universe, whether it be universes beyond or just uh, just secret layer reskins. Oh
0: man, my kid will be ten by them. Holy smokes!
1: Just
3: because
1: it's a reskin.
0: Yeah, like the like the recent Street Fighter ones, like that.
1: Yep. But those were mechanically unique already and stuff.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. I meant um, like the Stranger Things ones that were getting new, or like the real versions of a new Capenna.
1: Yes. I mean, we're going to be getting the Street Fighter ones. When is it? In Dominaria? When Brothers War? That's the time frame for when those Street Fighters are going to be printed? Yeah. (laughs) Somewhere around there, yeah. But, But all those cards, really cool. Oh, so... Street Fighter fan, Ryan, we're t- tangenting off here. I don't have this question up here, but how, how excited are you? <laughs> we're we're side hedging on side tangent. And so it begins. Oh, uh, my God. side
2: Into the Twilight Zone. <laughs> do, 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 do.
1: Weekly event with This Week in Magic. So, Street Fighter, you had a big episode on <laughs> Commander Cookout where you talked about all, yeah. the, all the drops and stuff there. Have you, got, uh, have you picked up a Secret Lair Street Fighter yet? And... Have you like changed uh, thoughts on like what you want to on Street Fighter Secret Layer as of now? I own,
0: hmm, maybe, maybe one Secret Layer card. I don't buy Secret Layers because to ship them to Canada is incredibly expensive. And Wizards just has to figure that out before they get my money and none of the secret layer art styles or crossovers have really interested me that much they're either not an art style that i like or or too cutesy for me or ips that i'm not a huge fan of like like stranger things like i i watched a few of those episodes and 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 same with walking dead i've watched like half a season one and that like that's it so no, I don't have any of the Street Fighter ones, but I am a, I am a fan. Like I played the arcade game when I was a kid and I fricking loved the movie with Jean Claude Van Damme for how terrible it is. It's like regarded as like the worst movie ever on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I loved it because I was like six. The <laughs> movies
1: are the best. Look at uh, yeah Super Mario Bros. But they
0: always disappoint. Also fantastic. Yeah. But not to get on another tangent. Uh, No, I don't have any of them. A couple of them are good and they might be the kinds of cards that I would play if I built another Jeskai deck. I have a Jeskai Dragons Approach deck already that doesn't really want any of those cards. But if I had a set of those Street Fighter ones and I had another Jeskai like more instant and sorcery based kind of spell slinger, maybe combo
1: deck, I'd play some of those cards. Very good to know. Okay, let's let's jump into learning more about Commander Cookout podcast. Let's and, get back on track. And how did you meet? How did you meet Brando Ryan? Oh man, so I started playing again
0: in I think second year university, and I I just one day decided, hey, I want to start looking at magic cards again. So I went online and started learning about Lorwyn. and wanted to build like a budget fairies deck, see if I could do it. Went to the store traded in some fetch lands from onslaught because they were worth like $10 and got some store credit to get like a Vendillion click and whatever. And and some booster packs, of 10th edition. (laughs) I just thought of that. And I'm looking through a common, like a 5,000 count box on the floor of the LGS. I'm sitting on the floor of an LGS. Some long haired dude comes and sits down next to me. I'm looking for like, some fairy trickery or spell stutter sprite or something, and he sits down next to me and he's looking through a box of time spiral, which was the other set in standard at the time. And I'm like, "Hey man, what are you looking for? If if I find one, I'll, I'll pull it out." And he goes, "I I don't know, just never mind. It's it's fine." He just snubs me. I'm like, "What a dick!" So I'm reaching out to people I used to play with and finding people that like randomly. There was a guy that was like in the judge program in Saskatoon that was on the university track team. So I reached out to him on Facebook. I was like, Hey, do you play magic? He's like, Oh yeah, actually. And let me tell you, he played magic. He had like power nine and shit and like vintage powered cube and stuff and, and black Lotus and Moxes and stuff. He comes over, I'm playing like a sapperling deck and he's like, Hey, check this out. Well, Mox, whatever. And gifts, ungiven search for regrowth, Yawgmoth's will black Lotus and, I don't know, some, some other thing to fucking win him the game. And I just like, oh, I guess I'm damned if I do. down. He beats me in like turn two or whatever. And I'm like, oh, wow. So I start playing with him a little bit, Cuban and stuff. And through him, I meet another guy that I used to play with in the city I was from. We play a little bit at the university in the evenings on Tuesday or whatever. And that guy's buddy was another guy we used to play with who knows... This guy who we play, who they all play with, but I wasn't part of the group. Hey, come come on Thursday, come to this guy's house. Oh, are you sure it's okay? Yeah, come on over. He's fine. We we need like an like a sixth guy for our big multiplayer games, right? Sixty and four casual before Commander even existed. And uh, I go over. Whose fucking house is it? This long haired bastard who snubs me on the floor of the game store. That guy. I'm like, oh mother ass. So I pulled out that Sapperling deck because it was my good deck, right? And I proceed to to beat them. I win the first game I ever play there, and then for the rest of the night they just trounce me. They just dink stomp me the whole night because they're like, "Oh, win your first game, eh?" And that's when I became friends with Brando because I kept going over and and playing at his house for years and years. And uh, we even played one one time in January. His furnace broke for like four days. His landlord didn't fix it, so we were like in blankets and coats and stuff playing magic. <laughs> Oh shit the dedication oh man yeah yeah drinking beer and we'd always we'd always go to like to the bar it was open 24 7 365 right by his house we get like chicken wings and we go to mcdonald's after and there was a group of us that are like all these guys they we played magic together for years and they end up coming to my wedding and stuff i met them like when i was an adult in university right a young adult but uh We bought each other magic cards. We've been to all each other's weddings now and stuff. And,
1: uh, that's, that's how I met Brando. (laughs) Crazy stories there. Do you, do you remind him all the time? It's like, Hey, remember when you stubbed me? (laughs) No, I only ever bring that up now when people ask like,
0: how did you guys meet? Or how did CCO start is when I tell that story of, of when, uh, he snubbed me and it was just totally funny. He did he wasn't being rude. He just he was just uninterested in me finding cards because I was in the Lauren box and he was in the time spiral box. Like I get it now, you know what I mean?
1: But it's it's just a, a funny kind of story. So that leads me into the next question is like, so now you've you've met Brando, how did you guys come up with creating the Commander Coco Podcast podcast? So I guess I meet
0: Brando in two thousand nine or whatever, right? early 2010 maybe maybe it's not that late though Uh, fast forward to 2016 uh you can imagine brando and i we were drinking some beer or whatever right like a couple beer sometimes we drink and uh, our buddy clayton was like man you guys talk so much about magic you should just start a podcast and brando works at a radio station right He's a technical producer for like the biggest talk show in the province that we live in, and uh, our buddy Clayton was just like, "You guys should just do it." And I kind of looked at him. I was like, "I suppose," because I listen to all kinds of podcasts, and I, I'm kicking myself in the ass every day for not starting one earlier and being one of the first podcasts to to be to be about Commander and to be on Patreon and to get that audience first to be the one that people latched onto, right? I wasn't that guy because I waited because I I didn't really have any means to do it until somebody suggested that we do it at the radio station at Brando's work and we just kind of said yeah let's do it. That was like in November of 2016 so for the next few times I was home because I worked out of town we just met and drank a bunch of beer and put a ton of ideas together like like spicy lists and commanders that have never gotten coverage and and let's do something funky with edh rec let's reach out for them to them for stats like statistics and stuff and um let's incorporate like some of their data and stuff the, for as much as they'll give us and we just started doing it we recorded a pilot and we shopped it out to other content creators and said like hey you have a website and a platform can you post our show on your platform everybody said no of course And, uh, then we found, then we found a site that was like, Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll post your show. And like, we could have posted it on just like, like iTunes and, and whatever, like mtgcast.com and stuff. But we wanted like a platform as a jump off point before we kind of just trickled in, right? We wanted to jump off and make a splash. So we waited and waited and waited until February or March of 2017, like for four months and uh till we could find somewhere to jump off and make a splash and uh it was so vindicating in in las vegas 2018 uh, we were about a year into our endeavor and a bunch of creators that we shopped out our first episode or two they they said oh man we should have we should have known that you guys had chemistry and we we should have picked you up we should have helped you and i just got a lot of compliments from from other other creators that said good job and uh, when that happened, when I got compliments from other creators saying that we're that we're doing good, I knew that that this was something that we could continue doing and and build an audience and really carve out our portion in or our place in in the creator kind of sphere. I won't call it a community because a lot of magic creators are fucking snobs, and, and and they won't give you the shirt off their back or even the time of the day. But there is a creator sphere that. Uh,
1: that we've carved our niche into. That blows my mind to think that uh, that there's content creators that are that are snobs. But I guess in the end, you think about it, it's like yeah, I guess that makes sense. People do people things. But uh, back to people. Assu- people assume that th- that it's zero sum, right? Like like if if Joe Blow
0: starts listening to me after they listen to you, and Joe Blow is a patron supporter or an OnlyFans supporter of you, that they only have finite sum of money, which is true. But if they like my show, they'll stop being a patron of you and start being a patron of me. So it, there's a lot of I don't want to share, or they're not on my level, or I can't associate with them, or their content is different than mine, or they swear, etc., etc., etc. I don't want to to raise the tide to lift all boats is is what i mean by snob because everybody's polite nobody snubs you everybody's polite but uh, again they wouldn't give you uh the time of day mm-hmm. i i think it's important for any creators that are listening you you guys or whomever that if you are a creator it's important to answer all your emails and, and even if there's freaking lots of them like schedule it and make time Answer your messages. Like so often do I get messages that say, oh my God, you responded. That means so much or nobody else responds. So you're the guy that I ask, right? It gets cumbersome and it's tiring and it's hard and you get frustrated and some magic nerd messages you at like 11 p.m. You're laying in bed and I don't respond then my phone's buzzing at 11 but it's important to to connect with people and and to be a good human being because there's expectations that are associated with this kind of thing it's people's hobbies it's people's enjoyments right and it's it's for some part it is my job to to make sure that those people are are catered to and treated like humans
3: yeah we've re- we've gotten responses back from some people and you know other things are in the works right now and hopefully they bloom into something to kind of go off your gardening enjoyment um,
2: freaking dad jokes
3: hey <laughs> um, but it is nice to see like just we've talked about this week in MTG jumping up and doing a little bit more as the years go on and just how this year we've been reaching out to more and more people and it's fun to see when people actually reach back like like you Ryan and then a few like we had uh, Jason. No, not Jade, Chris. Chris, there we go. I'm thinking this. I was, you've talked with Jason from Planeswalkers. Yes. Yep. So that's what I was thinking. But, um, just talking to some of those content creators or musical artists or celebrities, and it's it's fun to see how many of them actually reach back out and just do that small courtesy of, even if it's a no, sorry, don't have time. They at least take the time to respond that little bit.
0: Yeah, and and it's a it's a. Thankful, no, and then you know, and then it it doesn't make you feel like you're snubbed, right
1: exactly yeah, yeah. i got I got giddy as a schoolgirl when you replied back. I'm like, yes,
0: oh no, you know you know what that's that's kind of what it's about, like my product is me for however much my product is is painting magic cards and it's an actual painted magic card, it's a little piece of me that I dedicate to that card, so really I'm just I'm just giving away pieces of my own thoughts and my own self and my own feelings and emotions and time, fucking time. Anybody who's a dad or a mom out there knows, right? Time. (laughs) I'm just giving, I'm, I'm giving that away. And, and that's pieces of me and, and people like that. So the, the very least I can do is give them the, the courtesy to, to acknowledge them. And I, I think that's so important to, to always to do that to the, to, to, to the best of our ability. And even if you don't put as much of an importance on it that I do, do it to an adequate amount to at least make people feel that they're acknowledged
1: instead of being snubbed. Very solid. Wrap a bow on that part there.
2: There it is. So, so he, he basically says, we make it when people reach out to us and have us on their podcast. That's when
1: we know we made it. Well, we're not there yet. But slowly, but surely. Yeah. So when it uh, came back to you and Brandon starting commander cookout podcast, uh, where did, where did the idea of the spice calculator, the milk list when you guys first started, come up with those? Like how, how did, how did those like concepts of doing your deck teching come up with those? Oh,
0: you peek behind the curtain time. I love statistics. I, I like baseball. And baseball is very stats driven. Football to a lesser extent, but football also is, and that's track and field, another one. Split times and seed times and I like stats. And one of Brando's ten commandments of of radioing, being a like a professional radio station worker, he says, stats are the death of radio. So we're like, ooh, huh, well, I guess we're at odds about this then, hey? Eh? <laughs> we reach out to EDH Rec and say, Hey, what can you can you give us this? bit can you give us this bit give us this bit and we spun those things a little bit in a way that made them not sound like stats like how many tutors are in your deck is a stat but we don't we don't use it really as a stat because it's incorporated into the spice calculator and that's the one number that people care about what's my deck how spicy is my deck as a number a 50 or a 60 or an 80 that's what people care about. And if we can roll everything into just this one little number and keep every other stat behind the scenes, then it's cool and it's an interesting thing that people can attach to their deck. So we wanted to do something like that. The the peek behind the curtain t- thing is back in late 2016 when we were planning for the show, I actually reached out to Don Miner because I know him. And I asked him, is, is EDH Rec interested in hosting a commander podcast like can we be the podcast and at the time he said no he said we're looking at starting articles and increasing some of our data intake and management and partnering with other website building things blah 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 right building and he said we're not interested in the podcast yet and i wanted to be that podcast i made that known to him at the time and uh it's it, what's the opposite of vindicating or vindicated when when something goes your way um, the opposite of that is what edh reccast became because that was what i wanted to be and, and i and he didn't contact me back <laughs> i laugh about it now but but uh, that's kind of how i wanted commander cookout to sound but brando said no statistics are the death of radio so we we veered away and and kept some of the stats like uniqueness rating spice calculator the milk list if longtime cco people remember the milk list and uh, and and I was then again vindicated when EDH RecCast has seen the success that it has because that's what I told Brando we should have done because Magic players are into min-maxing. They're not the general public who cares about the weather and the news. They care about min-maxing statistics in their Magic card games. What's the percentage chance that they're going to draw this card? How many tutors do they need to do this combo on turn 4 if their commander costs 3 mana? Like... They need to know those kinds of things. And when EDH Recast became as popular as they did, that was vindicating to me to know, oh, I was, I, I was on the right track. I was thinking about the right things. But again, we carved out a different niche in the creator sphere based on being the guys that drank beer and talked about magic cards and unique shit and and made up open flippy dot drinky that everybody wanted to come to in Vegas like that was what we got instead and that to me is 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 just as important because it's again it's a real connection with people when we go to events it's not just edh reccast has more subs than we do right it's this is meaningful and and real not uh not uh, not saying that they're not real but but it's it's real for us
2: i'd say it's probably better than if you ever gotten EDH cast or EDH rec cast, like it's, I don't know, like, yeah, I use EDH rec to build some decks, but it's more of like, Hey, let's build a jank deck, not the meta deck, but
0: yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Like top down, everybody that I've ever interacted with, ha- with regards to EDH rec has been fantastic. Like Don minor, when he was first building it and telling us about it. Or, or when it was kind of big in, in 2018 and hearing about his success was fantastic. And all three hosts from EDH Recast, Well, like I've had them on commander at populum and we've been on their show. And, and I've been, I think I've been on EDH Reccast twice. Uh, anyways, hanging out with those guys and all the writers that write for the site now that I've, that I've interacted with have been great and shared rooms with a couple of them in, in Vegas and in other cities. And, and, um, Jason Alt, like their, 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 I don't know, editor, content manager. I don't know what his official title is, but he's always been great and given me the time of day and, and answered questions for me. The whole organization has been great. And like some of their statisticians and like their data guys behind the scenes have even told me and given me some data about just stuff that they've worked on just in conversation, just because it's interesting. And that's the kind of organization and, and, and people that, that uh, have helped build Commander Cookout because we, we pilfered a bunch of their stats in 20, uh,
1: 2017. <laughs> it's great. Getting, getting drunk and making stats. Oh, yeah, hand in hand. Perfect. Perfect marriage, right there. <clears throat> you guys recently changed the spice ca- calculator, your, your, your math that you've done to that. And uh, with that, you also have new spice calculator stickers that just dropped on your store was it today or yesterday
0: yeah uh yesterday officially but we we increased the number of of stickers and merch stuff today to include everything so it's all live now that that's actually uh, that's actually what cco 300 is going to be about i don't know what's going to launch first this show or cco 300 i don't know when
1: this goes live but tune in to cco 300 (laughs) Very much, uh, yeah. you you guys is going to be up before this. We'll talk a little more about that afterwards. A couple more things here with Commander Cookout. How did you guys come up with like the the FUs in the nation? How did that start up?
0: Uh, you know what? It was it was super organic. It was it was it was us talking about our our friends, like our real life friends that we play with. We just say it started saying FU to them because they we knew that they were listening. And we just we just started saying "f you" on the air, and uh, it started to stick. And and we started saying "f you" to everybody because I mean everybody sucks except us. And I I I, it's just organic. We just started saying "f you," and it ended up that a lot of people started to think that "f you," Joel, in particular, they thought that Joel "f you," Joel was like a like a euphemism. Or or like the guy, like the mono blue stigma player, right? They thought that that was FU Joel, who that was. And that he wasn't a real guy. <laughs> and and we were in Vegas and it was Sean Tiberis from Commander's Brew came up. And me and Joel just like he was playing double ups all day. And I, I won a bunch of Commander games. And just we had so many tickets and we needed to cash them in. So me and Joel just went and got like box after box after box of Dominaria booster boxes and i come over and i got all these boxes and joel's like sitting in his chair with his head back and i'm like fanning boxes of dominaria onto him like dollar bills and they're just smashing into him and it was so funny because he's just getting pelted by boxes and Tabaris is there and, and he's like he meets joel and i go this is fu e. joel from the cast and he goes what that's a real guy. <laughs> like he didn't know that anybody that we say F you to on the regular was a real guy. <laughs> so just, a, just a good, just a good time. We just, it just was a thing that just happened.
1: I fucking love it. Yeah. The whole, the whole F It's like, this is real. This is fucking great. And so, yeah, Brando got middle finger when he was at a garage sale one time. Hey, Brando, F you guy rides, rides by on his bike. <laughs> didn't even know who he was. <laughs> Just a good old F.U. middle finger riding on by. We get
0: it We we get it a lot, like when we walk into a command zone at a magic fest. Hey, F.U. Guy goes back to playing magic.
1: <laughs> the most endearing of all F.U.'s.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, though, kind from a total stranger. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about Commander Ad Populum now, because that started partway through uh, a few years after The commander cookout podcast started and as you were talking earlier like this is more of like where it's like softer but you like get more into magic for the people by the people for the people and stuff like that you want to dive into commander ad populum for a for a second here yeah i started it i think 2018
0: uh sure i think 2018 it um 2019 i don't know it was right before rule zero happened so like what's rule zero well like what when did that happen may april or may of 2019 i think yeah because march of 2019 was was magic fest calgary and we had a miserable time because there was just pub stompers trying to steal tickets from everybody and it was bad for everybody except for the pub stompers that got all the tickets because there was no pregame discussion no rule zero no nothing so one of my first episodes of commander ad populum was actually rule zero and and talking about just being honest about what your deck does so everybody has a good time that's what the show was about but i had an idea like kind of maybe a year into cco saying like this isn't exactly all the kind of coverage that i want to do and and Brando couldn't really swing extra days, more editing, uh, more time, all, all that stuff. And we couldn't really agree on a bunch of the topics. And I didn't, I, I wanted to make sure it didn't sound like Commander Cookout because some people don't like CCO. They, they, they don't like the swearing. They can't listen with their kids. Um, the beer talk, uh, the kind of the bro nature of it, uh, they, they didn't want to listen to. Um, so I made it different and I just talked about, again, magic's connection to the real world and it's just blossomed into a little community of, of people and listeners that are really just good down to earth people that, that are a little bit older than the, the CCO audience that remember magic when they were kids. Like I do, like I reminisce lots on the show about being in fifth and sixth grade and not really knowing a bunch about the game and and cards from back then and the art back then and it's just i wanted it to sound different and i wanted to cover other places in the magic kind of stratosphere that were important to me and that that's the
1: product of it is commander ad populum i definitely appreciate commander ad populum um because you talk, you definitely talked a lot of good topics of uh community engagements the the two episodes ago where it was like uh being more in uh welcoming to new people that you see in uh, and it started off as, as like the younger players but then you restated that the following episode where someone hits you up and it's like well i was the older person that came in and it's like that that, that kind of like in-depth talk is is something i know for me it definitely helps me like oh my god i gotta like rethink think in in that in that like aspect there and i could definitely appreciate commander at populum what you do there for that and then like all the 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 retrospectives talking about like the dark and homelands and stuff because yeah, i did not i did yeah. not uh, play at all during those times so like getting to know about soul exchange and and, and, and cards like that but it's like i don't know if i would have all that up right away
0: <laughs> yeah you know what the the biggest thing the biggest thing about cad pop is the effect that it's had on me. Okay. So magic, magic affects me in a way that makes me want to talk about magic, right? And do a podcast about it. Then the people I meet who contact me saying they listen, those people in me have dialogue and interchange of words and thoughts. And those people have an effect on the way that I think and the way that I act, the way that I teach and learn spend money raise a son develop a a community in my own neighborhood they've made me what i would say is a better person a better dad a better husband somebody who's more inclusive who considers more before i talk somebody who is willing to admit that i don't actually know very much about any thing and that i should just shut up and learn about it and develop an opinion based on people who are more educated than me or experienced in a topic, they've made me better, these people. And those people are a result of me having a podcast, which is a result of Magic the Gathering. So Magic the Gathering, if you connect A to Z, Magic the Gathering has made me a better person. That's what Commander Ad Populum is about. And it's through the people that commander ad populum is both talking for and talking to those people have, have made me a better person and it's going to affect my community, my real community and, and my child's life and his education. And it's going to be better as, as a result of the show, which is a result of magic. And I think that that's so amazing. And that's, that's what I wanted to cover on the show. Like the show has been successful to me because it's done that. And Commander Cookout's great and successful, but for other reasons, and those reasons are different than Cad Pop. And 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 I think it's important to highlight that that's what Cad Pop is about. And and even though it's not as big and popular, and people say all the time, "Oh, that's you," or "Oh, I didn't know you had another show," it's still successful to me because I've become a better person.
1: That's very good that's very good i definitely uh, when, when you made the the cat pop podcast i was like oh i'm 100 jumping on on this and following and i've appreciated everything that you've done with making oh, the cat thank pop. you yeah okay we're getting close to the end here because i definitely want to respect your time so I got a question real quick what is your best open flippy dot tricky moment that you've had oh 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 man
0: so many good moments, man. That's a good ass game. I'll tell you that much. That's a good game. I think the the best moment. It might be the best moment in in Open Flippy history. Actually, it it might be like the double foil one with nothing in Vegas was was pretty epic. But mostly just because there was lots of people there, and uh, I mean, you, you're playing Open Flippy with like thirty people. Everybody gets one booster pack and the last pack had two of the same cards both in foil that's pretty epic but i think the most epic ever was we got a we got a bunch of bunch of the cco dude bros together there's three booster boxes and a couple dollar store repacks with just junk in them and then a couple dollar store hundred packs for 14 bucks from the dollar store hundred card packs repacks and we shuffle we them together and then rubber banded them. Rubber banded them to make booster packs. And we had like four of these 100 packs. So like two guys shuffled 200 card decks and shuffled and shuffled and shuffled for like half an hour just casually drinking beer, eating chips, shuffling these shitty cards from the dollar store while we were waiting for everybody to get there. And we rubber banded them together in 15 packs and everything got dumped into a Rubbermaid and we put the lid on and Joel and Smitty just like, both took an end of the Rubbermaid and just shook the crap out of it. So, like, hundreds and hundreds of booster packs just bounced around and smashed around to get mixed up. And we all drew packs and we all just started open flipping, open flipping, open flipping. Brando open flippied um, uh, an invocation Blood Moon from Ammonket. That was a good one. But the craziest thing was one of these dollar store repacks remember that got shuffled for like half an hour elastic banded together and i flip an autumn willow which is a legendary creature like green legendary creature it sucks it's terrible and i drank because it was the worst card and it was from homelands or fallen empires or homelands whatever and everybody razzed me because homelands is terrible blah 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 and the next flip autumn willow again (laughs) and it was like i drank my whole drink for autumn willow and cracked another one took a little sip out of it just to get the taste fucking drank my whole drink again because two autumn willows in a row not only was it two cards in a row which is a waterfall but it's two of the same cards by the same player and it was an autumn willow and man it went down like we talked we laughed every time somebody said autumn willow everybody just laughed and spit their drink out. Like it was so it's fantastical. Like you just can't, you couldn't have written a, a stupider thing to have happen. And it's got to go down as the best open flippy moment of
1: all time. That sounds fucking phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're, we're at the final part of, of the interview here. We got the quick silver questions. These are super fast, rapid fire questions you got. Okay. You, you don't have to think too much about them. So first off, do you pay the one? Usually, and I convince other people to as well. What's the best name that you could think of for naming a snow plow? Ooh, a snow pl- like like on a truck? Yeah, any any like snow a, plow. Uh,
0: plowy.
2: <laughs> that was a new question.
1: It was. That was it, the next
3: one.
2: Uh, yeah, see, yeah, I just read it. It's like, oh, that's a, that's a new one too.
1: So next question, would you rather cuddle an almighty brushwag or a nimble mongoose? Nimble mongoose because I'm, I'm collecting
0: an entire set of Odyssey right now. That's what I was doing right before when I was listening to Tolkien poetry.
1: <laughs> Pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? Yay, 1,000% every day of the week. There yes. we go. What is the largest animal that you think you could take on in a fight? Like you just pop up <sighs> in the middle of the woods, you and this animal, nothing else. Go at it. What's the largest animal? Man, the largest animal that you think you could take on in a fight.
0: I don't know. Coyote. But a goose is smaller than a coyote, and I couldn't beat up a goose.
1: Gooses are fucking. Go-
3: they're fucking nasty, man. Nobody can take on a goose.
1: They have fucking teeth. On their tongues. On their tongue. <laughs> Shit is I don't, I don't
0: terrifying. Know. I, I don't want to say a duck because I would just punt it, but. Well, I can't, I can't <laughs> say a goose because nobody can beat a goose. A deer? I don't know. I
1: feel like it would kick me. Coyote, locked in. And if, if there's just one of them, though, yeah, it's only one. It's not like it's not going to be a, a case of where it's like a hundred duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck kind of thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> okay. And now finally, the last Quicksilver questions. Do we get some fuses? Oh, yeah. F all you guys. You guys
0: suck. Terrible. Not even 7 out of 10.
1: Perfect. Perfect. We're in.
0: Beautiful. Probably don't even know what magic is. Never even seen Lord of the Rings. Oh.
2: Yeah, Matt. Oh. Fuck, right.
0: Matt. Not even drinking beer. Okay. Yeah, we- whoa, here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> whoa. I'm
2: rehydrating so
3: I can drink beer, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that we're, just sounds like...
2: <laughs> we are the second drunkest city in the United States. Leave us alone.
0: Oh, man. The first drunkest city in the United States is Canada.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere yep. in Wisconsin, I think. Yeah, it- I think so.
1: <laughs> I think we could just... Is it Wisconsin? It has to be Wisconsin. I want to get some fucking it is. Uh, spotted cow talking of Wisconsin here. I need to go to the cities to pick some up.
2: You have to go to Wisconsin.
1: Yeah, but the cities is like just a hop away from Wisconsin. Yeah,
2: but I'm saying... You can't just say the cities, you have to go to Wisconsin to Yeah, but if, get if it. I go
1: to the cities, I'll have a reason to go what to What he Wisconsin. meant to
3: say is on his next trip to the cities, he there should go. go to Wisconsin, get some Spotted Cow, and then come back to the cities, and then come back to Fargo. Yes.
2: That's what he should have said then.
3: Thank you for clarifying. You need, you need to learn to speak Matthew better.
2: <laughs> or Matthew needs to speak Danny better.
1: No, we say fuck Blue enough. So, Ryan, we're at the end of the podcast. Please, give us all of your socials, all your plugs, where people can find you, because... Uh, listeners, if you're listening to this, if you made it to the end of this, like the Commander Cookout podcast, way better of a podcast to be listening to than what we got. Commander at Populum, great podcast to be listening to. Ryan, give it, give it, take it away. Give all the plug. Well,
0: I've, I very much appreciate it. Again, I love coming on, love talking about me. I'm the best guy I know. <laughs> no, but seriously, um big thanks. I do, I do like coming on, talking about anything magic, anything Lord of the Rings, anything altered art. If you want to find anything that I do, you can simply Google or search on Twitter, search on YouTube, search on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, any podcast, anything for Commander Cookout or Commander Ad Populum. And those are my two shows. And again, on YouTube, Cadpop Altered Art Tutorials, Episodes and Top Fives for CCO on YouTube. Uh, at cad podcast and at cco podcast on twitter cad podcast and uh, commander cookout at gmail.com those are the two emails i never done it twice at uh, for for both shows at the same time before <laughs> basically i think i think you can probably just google ryan paneff and and you'll find me and if you go to commander there's links to commander ad populum there too and and altered art stuff is there too and and you can find me just by googling me. If you go Ryan Commander Cookout, uh, probably I'll come up.
1: And if that is too much for you dear listener, I'll make sure to put all of the links down in the show notes below for you just that way it's just click and click and you're there. Easy peasy lemon awesome. squeezy. Ryan, thank you so much for for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. I I loved having this way longer of a conversation than I thought that was going to be. <laughs> and stuff uh because n- uh, you know we love ta- tangents we love talking and all this stuff here so it's like this is very much enjoyed thank you so much
0: oh happy to be here happy that i can man, man i talk so much so <laughs> happy that you guys uh are
1: are cool to listen oh always that's what we do here <laughs>
2: Gary and I both just sit here and listen to Matt talk, so this is nothing unusual for us. (laughs) It's it's maybe
3: becoming apparent we need to restructure interviews a little bit. Matt.
1: uh, Fangirl. We'll discuss that at the next meeting. Number one. (laughs) Okay, and with that, Magic Folk, we will catch you next time.
2: See ya.